But first of all, we want to just say thanks for coming down. This is um, a big deal for the Army. And I think that you all have seen, anybody that reports on the Army sees that uh, we've been challenged with developing uh, some new programs, a new type of soldier, you know, the, the generation that we're dealing with uh, uh, coming in from a society that is not as focused on, on physical fitness and health and nutrition. And as you'll see in just a second, the PT test uh, was part of our campaign plan. Uh, you know, we wanted, Frank has been working on the new training circular for several years now, and we published that uh, last August. We've got a lot of going on for our new soldiers, which are evolving into the operational force. And really the big deal uh, of establishing a new physical readiness test uh, for our Army in a period of conflict, taking what we've learned uh, from combat lessons and also taking a look at the soldiers that were getting into the force, was a pretty important event for us. So I, I'm, I'm very uh, happy with what Frank and his team have done over the last year. We've been in close coordination with this, and I think it comes at a very good time. Um, the one other thing I'd, I'd say before I go through the charts, just as a, a, a method of allowing us to talk a little bit, and, and I would ask you all to have questions as we go through this. Don't save it to the end. If you have a question as we're going through the charts, we will. And then we'll get outside and show it to you, and some of you, I understand, are going to take the test. But, but what's important is the fact, if you look through the history uh, of the United States Army in terms of the way we me measure physical readiness or physical fitness for the battlefield. We've kind of done an ebb and flow over the last 60 to 70 years. Every time uh, we're in a situation where it's prior to combat, our fitness regimen and our fitness testing is very different than what we see the Army doing after we've experienced combat. That happened uh, pre- and post-World War II, where you can see we had two different field manuals addressing the way we do physical training and physical testing uh, for the way we train. It happened before and after Korea. It happened uh, before Vietnam and slightly a little bit after, although uh, after Vietnam, if you look at the history of FM-2120, right after Vietnam, uh, it was about the same time that some of the fitness mavens like Ken Cooper, uh, and a few others, the, the the running guys and the and the aerobic fitness came into the fray. So they really sold the military services on a lot of aerobic stuff that wasn't necessarily necessarily linked to the way we do things in combat. So you know, Frank and I have been talking about this kind of stuff since our time together in the Department of Physical Education at West Point back in 1983 through 86. And uh, we, we've always felt that we really needed to establish physical training and physical readiness testing the way we do fighting. And I think uh, we, we had some serendipity. We had some opportunities as we came together in this job to, uh, to address those issues. And we had lessons learned from combat in terms of forces doing the kinds of things that require muscular strength, muscular endurance, anaerobic and aerobic capacity, mobility, and uh, you link that to the kinds of soldiers we're getting in, and it became even more important based on uh, the situation we found ourselves in. So that's background. Uh, with that, what I'm going to do is, if I can figure this thing out, is go through, yep, 
this is just a few very quick charts to give you some background so it will prepare you for what you're about to see. Some of you have seen these before. I think Kelly may have shot these out to a couple of you. But this is the reason why we're changing the Army Physical Fitness Test. Uh, first of all, in the late 70s and 80s, and, I, and both Frank and I have people that did it, and they gave us advice on this. The APFT that was established in the late 70s and incorporated in the early 80s was a test that was a snapshot of physical fitness. It was meant to be just a snapshot. It was not linked to uh, what we were trying to do in preparing soldiers for combat. Now, it's been a good test over the last 30 years, but it really has been a snapshot. And unfortunately, in some cases, commanders and leaders have taken the approach of it's an important test to make sure we're fit. But they have also, and I'll let Frank comment on this, uh, it's also become almost a be-all, end-all. If you could train to the test and pass the test, gosh, you must be in great shape. Uh, but what we've seen, as you see in the second bullet up there, none of the things we do in the current APFT are linked to the kinds of stresses we put our bodies through in combat. So what, uh, what we've attempted to do over the last several months in, a, in publishing the new TC32220 and now testing this test is put something on the street that you don't have to train toward, but in fact it allows you to, uh, to test the, the kind of shape you're in to perform the skills you need to do. Uh, we, what we want to do is kind of change the mindset of no longer training for a test, but instead having the test be an indicator of the shape you're in. Um, also, you know, the, the bullet up there about some of the things we've seen over the last several years, the high-speed repetitions and the excessively long runs, uh, have caused injuries, frankly, in our force. And the researchers of the community have determined that, and they've seen it over the years, and now we think it's time to do something about that. So one of the pieces of guidance that I asked Frank to incorporate as they, as they uh, analyzed a new test and prepared to present a new test was take into account uh, testing protocol that does not cause injuries, and they've done that. Uh, the other thing I'll just say on here is a year ago when we first started talking about this, the concern we had as we discussed it uh, was how will this be accepted in the force? You know, whenever you change the way an army does business, you always run into a bow wave of either criticism or we don't want to change or, uh, you know, why, why are we transforming? It's good enough. It's been good enough for 30 years. And we thought we would really run into a whole lot of criticism uh, when we developed a new test. In fact, just the opposite is happening. Uh, indicators are that there's a lot of folks out there uh, telling us, and I know they've told me this, and maybe I'm a small, it's a small end for me, but I've had a, quite a few people come up to me and say, thank God you're changing it. It's time for a new test. Uh, the force as a whole likes, you know, soldiers like to be challenged. And so I think that, that this test will definitely challenge them, both the physical readiness test, uh, the one in uh, PT clothes, 
And when unit commanders, uh, and as we develop the, the ACART, the Army Combat Readiness Test, as unit commanders see uh, how competitive that could be and how it might be a test of combat readiness in a pre-deployment cycle or in uh, somewhat of an adventure training mode, they've already sort of jumped all over this saying this is going to be great and we appreciate you all fighting for the changes of this. Okay, so that's the background. Uh, again, I, I said early on, this is part of a campaign plan. Uh, Frank and his team published the doctrine, uh, very scientifically oriented and very research-oriented doctrine, which implemented not only the ways to train new soldiers as they come into the force, but the way you take operational units and better prepare them for the demands of in functional training. Uh, there have been all kinds of rumors about what this is and what it isn't. Uh, you know, people have said, uh, it's, it's yoga-like, it's like Pilates, it's like, you know, CrossFit. And frankly, it is all those things. It's functional fitness. It's preparing the body to take challenges on in different ways. And what's interesting is I, I have repeated, and I know Frank does too, and we can talk about this, but we have had repeated queries about... Um, is this good or is it bad? My unit's not accepting it. I'm not getting it, you know, as a company commander, I'm not seeing it advertised by my chain of command. I had an, uh, an email or a Facebook uh, posting last night from a friend of mine who was a former drill sergeant who's now in an operational unit at one of our posts, and she's saying, hey, I'm trying to incorporate the new PRTs, but my chain of command won't let me do it. Okay, I mean, we're still early. It's going to happen, and there are some commanders who are picking this up, and what I would suggest to all commanders is read the doctrinal manual and try, try the program before you start bad-mouthing it because when you try it, as we've had many sergeants, majors, and commanders do, they say, holy smokes, this is a smoker of a workout, and it's pretty good, and it's addressing the deficiencies we see in readiness training. So the first piece was publishing the doctrine. The second piece is incorporating it into the training base, which we have in basic training and AIT uh, as of last July. And now it's getting it into the operational domain, the, the, the operational units. And then the third phase of this campaign plan is the testing phase, and that's what we're here to talk about today. Uh, an explanation of the phase three actions at the bottom. These were the things that Frank and I agreed on before he started pulling some subject matter experts in to design the test. This was the guidance I gave them. Uh, it was look both inside and outside the Army for subject matter experts to come together and, and develop a good test. It was, hey, if you find, you know, actually the second bullet on there, determine needs to keep, modify, supplement, et cetera. You know, I told Frank, hey, if the current test is fine and we just need to make a little tw twist, that's okay too. Uh, but using your subject matter experts, develop a good test, which really trains and tests functional fitness and prepares the force to do that. One of the big things we have to do when you talk about an army of 500,000 plus is it's not only got to be gender neutral, but it also has to be somewhat age specific because you're going to be testing 17-year-olds in basic training, but you're also going to be taking, testing old guys like me, 57-year-olds, uh, as they do their thing in the operational force. So it's got to be something that everybody can do and also that we can do easily, not only at places that have equipment, if we needed it, 
but places removed that didn't have equipment. Because one of the things we discussed was we couldn't incur a bill to buy things uh, in order to administer the test. Um, and you'll see how that came about, too. And then the ease of administration. Um, there was a little bit of a stutter step by someone uh, yesterday. I won't go into it, but thinking that we had bought a piece of equipment that we didn't uh, in order to test one of the uh, um, events of the test. Everything you'll see in the Army Physical Readiness Test is pure. I mean, you don't need anything other than a running track and a couple of graders uh, for, for, for maintaining the scores. Um, and then we also had to figure out a way to incorporate it into uh, both the operating and the generating. Because whenever you do something like this, it would be very easy to say, hey, we just, we've got the new test, let's start executing it. Well, we don't have test standards yet. So over the next couple of months, we've got to do some pilot testings to get a norming device to see, hey, what's really good on this test, what's not so good, and what's about the average. And Frank can talk a little bit about that, too. Uh, this was the advisory board. These are the people we ask to come together uh, over a couple of days or a couple of weeks and determine what we should do. And what, what's interesting about that is there are some really, uh, maybe not to the media, but to those of us who deal in phys physiology and physical fitness, there are some real key names up there. I mean, Dr. Chip East, as an example, is considered a subject matter expert in the field of exercise and training, uh, both in the military and outside the military. Uh, some of the other guys in there, uh, Neil Baumgarter is an example from, from the Air Force, and where's my Marine? Uh, Tim Brockelman from, Brockelman from the Marine Corps, uh, help develop their physical standards in the other services. So we wanted to draw on them on what they found good and bad within within their uh, within in their organizations. We brought folks from the Military Performance Division of NADIC, as well as professors who were both physiologists, kinesiologists, biomechanists, uh, and uh, and just exercise dudes uh, from various organizations throughout the country to help us with this as well. Um, I'll comment too, we also wanted to bring in, uh, and, and Major Delia Woods from ForceCom was our ForceCom rep. She was not only a ForceCom rep, but she's a member of the reserve component as well. So we wanted to incorporate uh, how it would affect the reserves and the National Guards when we did this. Okay, uh, the next slide. This is the APRT, what we would propose or what we're going to recommend based on our testing, uh, our pilot over the next uh, couple of months to be the replacement for the Army Physical Fitness Test. Key difference is between readiness and fitness. And if you talk to anyone in the exercise community, that there is a nuanced meaning behind both of those words. It's one thing to be fit and have anaerobic and muscular fitness. It's quite another thing to be ready for the things you're being asked to do. Uh, and in our case, it's it's being asked a tactical athlete or a soldier. So physical readiness for us makes a big difference uh, as opposed to physical fitness. And you'll see, I mean, we can ask questions about this, but I'll go through this very quickly. This is These are the pros and cons of what we think. And I'll mention the con because you'll probably jump on that. The, the, the upper body strength assessment tool, which is the, the one minute of push-ups, is not the best measurement 
for upper body strength assessment. Literally the best, we think, is the pull-up. But that, that goes away from uh, what we think we can do in most post-camps and stations because you've got to have pull-up bars to do it, number one. And secondly, it isn't gender neutral. Uh, it is a different test from women than it is from, we from men on a pull-up. The Marines have incorporated the pull-up as one of their test items, but they do for women a flexed arm hang as opposed to a pull-up, and we didn't think we wanted to do that. So we stuck with the one minute of push-ups, and I think that's a pretty good test of what we're trying to do. The next page is the uh, combat readiness test, the ACART, and you'll see this demonstrated outside uh, after the APRT. But this allows us to do uh, a little bit more challenging test for all units. It's combat related. It's linked to the warrior task and battle drills, which we refined earlier in the year. And it does test every aspect of the body, anaerobic, aerobic, uh, muscular strength and endurance, mobility, agility. Uh, everything that you would want to test is tested in this, in this particular test. For anybody that is familiar with the West Point Indoor Obstacle Course, which is it's considered by many physiologists as the best test of physical fitness, this comes very close to that without uh, some of the climbing and mountaineering and agility skills that you have to have on that particular test. Um, this is, you'll see this outside, but this is for those who are not here on the blog, uh, the blog sites, this is a, a uh, diagram of what it's going to look like for the eight cart. And I'd only ask because the, the great article that the Army Times put together yesterday uh, I think was, was very uh, ex explanatory of what we were trying to do with the two tests. Uh, but I would only say that the eight cart, the combat readiness test, is very different than the eight for two different test uh, mechanisms. So, uh, and you'll see that outside. And then finally, what what is going to do in terms of the standards development, I'm sorry for not flipping the slides, uh, w within the next six months or so, he will test anywhere between 7,000 and 10,000 soldiers in all three components and at various locations and in different age groups and gender categories in order to norm our scores. Uh, we are proposing in this test that instead of having multiple breakdowns of, of age group and scores associated, we're going to widen those and go with the American College of Sports Medicine uh, aging categories, and you'll see those on the chart. And it's basically in 10-year increments. For the uninitiated, you might say, holy smokes, you're putting the 29-year-olds in the same category as the 17-year-olds? Yes, we are. And the re there's, there's physiologically, uh, physiological reasons for that, frankly. Uh, you reach your peak of performance at about the age of 26 or 27. So, in fact, the higher age group in that 30 and under would probably, uh, or the higher age in that 30 or under year group would probably perform better on the test than an 18-year-old in many cases if they've trained for it. And you'll see the pilot test sites on there. <laughs> I would only add, and we've coordinated with all these organizations to begin these pilot tests soon, and we'll be issuing uh, an execute order later on this week after this demonstration today. 
but there's only, I would only add there's probably going to be one more site added to that. Um, <laughs> and I won't go into that right now, but it will probably be, uh, I, I think th there could be a chance to incorporate U.S. Army Europe as one of the test sites on there, too. So uh, that's all I'll say about that. So that's that's the presentation, and now I'd, I'd kind of open it up first to the, the folks on the phone and then anybody in the room to ask any questions. Thank you, General Hartling. I believe we had a couple folks call in uh, a little later for the Bloggers Roundtable. Do you mind introducing okay. yourself? Yes, this is Christian Lowe with Military.com. Hi, Christian. Good to hear from you again. Hey, yeah, thanks a lot. I, I actually have a question if, if we're launching into that, or would you prefer to do introductions of those on the phone? Uh, yeah, let's let's do the introductions first so I know who's listening. Okay, who else is on that came on later? Uh, oh, this yes. is Troy Hello. Stewart from BooHammer.com. Okay, good seeing you, Troy. Hello, this is Mary Moses from Army Public Affairs. Okay, hi, Mary. Okay. Okay, I think that may be it, in addition to uh, uh, Mr. Chuck Grumbo from South Carolina Military News. Okay. And this is Charles Reynolds with Thinking Out Loud and Examiner.com. Okay, Charles, thank you. Okay, and we did have a question from... Yeah, yeah this is Christian Lowe with Military.com. So for, for, for those of us who, who don't have the benefit of being down there, first, could you, and you may have done this earlier because I came in a little bit late, but first question, could you describe what some of these exercises are for the... Uh, physical readiness test, the the one-minute rower, what is yeah. that? Um, what is the 60-yard sh shuttle run? Just we have a way of describing it in the story? Sure. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Frank, and he can describe it. Um, it. The first event, this is Frank Palkowska, director of the Army Fitness School. Okay, could you event, spell your last name? It's P-A-L-K-O-S. K A. First name is Frank. Thanks, Frank. You're welcome. The first event of the APRT is the 60-yard progressive shuttle run. Okay. Right. This particular event measures anaerobic power, speed, and agility, and coordination. And it looks like this, since you don't have a diagram. It begins with uh, a position on the starting line. You'll run up five yards. Pick up a wooden block that's two by four by six inches, run back to the starting line, place the block behind the line on the ground, change directions, run up 10 yards, return back, pick up the block, return block back to the starting line, place the block on the ground, move up to the 15-yard mark, pick up the block, move back all the way through the starting line, and you are done with that particular event. The one-minute rower exercise is an exercise that we do in our preparation drill so that all soldiers conduct that exercise on a daily basis, and it is a total body flexion and extension exercise. It's hard to explain, but the individual is laying on their back with their arms overhead, and as they raise their arms up over the head, they draw their knees towards their chest, and their heels are flat on the ground towards their buttock. It, it looks to a degree like a sit-up but with your arms starting overhead as opposed to behind your head yep. and then pulling your legs up to your, your stomach. So it, it, it's a combination of an overhead, overhead sit-up with a, with a crunch okay. is the best, I think the best way to describe it. Yes, and it, and, it, 
and it encompasses mobility for total body coordination, both flexion and extension, and it's total body muscular endurance. And this event is conducted for one minute in length. Then we have the standing long jump, which is basically the same standing long jump that you probably were administered in elementary school. Three, three iterations with the best score of the three. Okay, and then and then for the for the rower, what am I trying to accomplish with the rower? Is that just my ability to keep doing it for one minute? Exactly, because it's a total body muscular endurance event. It's not just trunk endurance. Okay. And it's a continual, both the rower and the push-up are continual actions. There are no rest during that event. As soon as you rest or uh, stop the event, that's when the repetition stop and that, uh, terminates, that the event. terminates the event. So it is a true muscular assessment. The next event, the fourth event, is the typical army push-up. No rest And it is conducted for one minute duration. As many repetitions as can be conducted during the one minute time. And the fifth event, last event, one five mile run. It measures lower body muscular aerobic capacity. We look specifically at speed, stability, posture, and we're looking at particular run. To mention, it is the gold standard for assessment of aerobic capacity and health. Okay. Okay, any other questions from the bloggers? Yes, uh, General, it's Chuck Crumbo. Uh, you talked about the, not, uh, the uh, current test being kind of an end-all, be-all. Uh, you tested the, the standard. I was just wondering, does this uh, new uh, regimen address uh, the issue of some of the uh, deaths that have occurred, uh, particularly at Fort Jackson, uh, of uh, people in uh, basic uh, combat training? Uh, does this help prevent those deaths? Did you say deaths? Yes. Uh, there, there have been uh, some uh, soldiers who have died uh, after, uh, after a uh, PT test. Um, yeah, there, there were, yeah, yeah, there's some, some cardio deaths event. Now, it, um, I think those were, were things outside the realm of the physical fitness test. Those were either heart conditions. Uh, I, I mean, I, there's, there, there has, there's only been one death here at Fort Jackson in the two years since I've been here related to a PT test, and that, that was due to an unchecked heart position or a, a condition. Um, but no, this, this is not an attempt to, you know, it, it, it's not us saying, oh my gosh, we've had deaths in physical readiness training and those kind of things. In fact, I, I think one of the things we're trying to do with this is, is help folks understand that there is a fitness requirement uh, within the military, and it, this shouldn't just be, and by the way, this is another reason for doing these two new tests, is uh, as, as we talked about, the old test was something you could train for. And, and I'll be perfectly honest with you, in my 30 soon to be 36 years in the Army, I can tell you that there's been quite a few instances of me overhearing people say, oh, heck, the PT test is coming up next month. I've got to really start training for it. And they start cranking out push-ups and sit-ups and going on two-mile runs. Well, these new tests will hopefully 
ensure that our soldiers know that physical readiness and physical resilience is a 24-7, 365 requirement. Because you can't train for these tests, there's going to be more of an emphasis on maintaining your condition at all, and, and continuing to try to improve your condition at all times. Go ahead, Frank. I'd like to follow on with this. Um, I think we need to place this in the appropriate context um, and have an understanding that this is a combination of training and testing. Training, in actuality, will lessen or lower your chance for any incidence of sudden cardiac death that, that you may be predisposed to by not training appropriately. So you have to understand that there is a linkage to training and testing with this program. I, I hope that, that answers that question. Yes. Does this also require a, a change in the, uh, as far as basic training and more emphasis on uh, the different, since you're doing so many different kinds of exercises, is this going to take more time out of, uh, uh, in, during the, the 10 weeks of training? No, not at all. Absolutely in fact, we, we've already done that. Uh, we've already uh, incorporated this new training methodology, which will lead to uh, this kind of testing as of last July. I mean, we started the, the very draconian uh, uh, physical training requirements in basic training and, and one-station unit training almost uh, a year ago now. And, 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 and part, of, part of what we're seeing that's going to contribute to this test is we've also seen some huge improvements in uh, what we're seeing in physical conditioning, uh, less failures of the old test, uh, less injuries by doing some of these uh, more scientifically based exercises, and more emphasis on uh, training smarter as opposed to training more. So this, this is already incorporated in the initial military training realm. It's just the test will now uh, be geared more toward the readiness as opposed to fitness snapshots. Is this, uh, uh, I know one of, one of the top injuries or uh, uh, highest category injuries are stress fractures. Is this less than the, uh, that? Yeah, we've already, uh, and in fact, uh, I just did a presentation to the uh, Office of the Secretary of Defense Health Affairs, and what we were seeing was a, an increasing spike in several types of stress fractures, and I used the example of the femoral neck hip stress fracture uh, that over the last 10 years has gradually increased. Uh, until about nine, until 2009, and with the incorporation of the new physical training regiment and the way we're doing physical training and basic training, we've radically reduced the number of hip stress fractures, and I'll give you an indication of that. In 2008, there were 135 instances of those injuries here at Fort Jackson. In 2009 and 10, with the incorporation of the new uh, physical training program and emphasis on doing it more scientifically, it was reduced to 87. And so far this year, after six months, we've had a total of two of those femoral neck hip stress fractures. So yeah, this, this new physical readiness training program is certainly reducing injuries uh, and improving our physical capacity. There's two parts to that that I, that I want to add on to that. One issue with stress fractures involves strength training. We have to engage our soldiers and make them stronger, and that's total body muscular strength. The other aspect is the modifications in the training program that we did specifically with the way the Army 
runs. The issue of sustained running has been modified, especially in initial entry training, and we rationally progress a young soldier from week one of basic combat training all the way through week 10. And we've included speed running, which works the anaerobic component more, and we have found that great success in that particular area and reduced the total uh, weekly mileage, which has seemed to help reduce the overall number of stress and fractures. Load. And load. And load. And load, too. I'll, I'll just add, add something on that, on load, because as uh, one of the lessons we've learned from 10 years of combat is there are a lot of commanders in the field who say, hey, they're going to come to Iraq or Afghanistan and start putting on, you know, 40 or 50 pounds of kit. So we need to do that in the basic training environment and have them wear, the, wear that stuff all the time. Frankly, uh, the young trainees that we get in the training environment aren't prepared to do that when they enter basic training. And what we were seeing is we were causing some of the injuries by overloading our soldiers too early before they were ready for it. So the scientific approach to not only physical conditioning but also the soldier's load has been somewhat critical in, in, uh, in consideration as we've developed this program as well. Can you tell me a little bit how you uh, kind of uh, increase that load over the uh, over the ten weeks? How, I'm sorry. How we've increased? How we do increase the load? Do you start out with a, a less of a load and just kind of build up, or? Yeah, that, exactly right. Uh, less of a load, build up. Uh, also, less less mileage in our road marches, build up. And also, one of the things that that the researchers have shown us is, hey, when when you're wearing this stuff, if there's any time at all you can get off your feet, that's the best thing going. Uh, you know, so it's it's the combination of rest as well. There's also being a physiologist myself, I'm kind of interested in some of the current research going on. And there's within the last couple of weeks, there's been multiple uh, issues of of research concerning the amount of sleep. Uh, as a contributor to physical readiness and fitness. Anybody that's in the physiology world knows that sleep is as important as working out or rest is as important as working out. So we're, we're trying to incorporate uh, uh, more downtime uh, when soldiers aren't walking or carrying heavy loads. They got to get off their feet, you know, do the rest stops on the side of the road, get their legs up and those kind of things. So all that's part of what seems to be common sense, but sometimes it ain't so common. <laughs> This is Thank you for your Lowe question, Mr. Crumbo. Uh, Mr. Charles Reynolds of examiner.com, do you have any questions? Uh, no, believe it or not, all the questions that I had written down have already been answered by the general and Frank. Okay, Super. great. And how about uh, Mr. Choi Stewart? I'd like to give you an opportunity to ask a question as well. Yeah, I have a couple real quick. Uh, the first one, uh, sir, for anyone up there that can answer is, you mentioned in the one slide that the, uh, the cycle and the swim, the alternate events are being... Uh, are being eliminated. Uh, are there any alternate events being identified for the APRT right now? Yes, specifically after we develop the standards for the uh, the five events, we will look at a one-mile walk with standards. Currently, the Army has alternate aerobic events that are pass-fail and do not have a numerical standard associated with them. Or so is, will the uh, will the alternate the, the one mile walk also be a pass fail or will it, you said it won't? No, we will uh, put standards to that to that particular event. Okay. Um, also, uh, it was mentioned. The general mentioned early on that uh, you know we the army is as we all know has had a, a process of training up for the PT test, 
and that's really all they focus to. And I can tell you, 22 years, I, I can agree with that. That's all we ever really focus on. Right. Um, but how is this going to be? I mean, I'm assuming with the scored system, this is going to also have a point system. It's going to count for promotion points. It's going to count for schools and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, I mean, isn't it? Uh, do you not see it falling into the same trap of, of just training for it? How quick can you throw that wood block back behind the line or, or you know, whatever it's going to be? I think I think we have to clarify here is is that training drives testing. Testing doesn't drive training. When you look at uh, the regulation that governs training in the Army, AR 350-1, it specifies that commanders will develop their physical readiness training program around mission and metal. Currently, it also specifies that the APFT that we currently conduct is of secondary importance. It is a assessment tool to tell the commander at that point in time, it's a snapshot in time of the physical readiness of the soldiers within that particular unit. The same holds true for this new test. But what the unique piece is, is that the training piece is more functional in nature than the old training in 2120 was. Therefore, it develops and is based around and supports what soldiers have to do when they perform combat operations. So it's focused on warrior tasks and battle drills. And basically, if you're conducting the, the training to standard, the assessment will be the easiest training day you have. Yeah, one of the things uh, uh, General Rich Longo just whispered in my ear, and he's got a great point, and it's also a good soundbite. When you're training for combat, you're training for the test. Uh, you know, th there is no more physically demanding thing than uh, the stressors produced in combat, not only for the muscular and the aerobic system, but also for the hormonal system. I mean, the same kinds of things that contribute to fatigue in a competitive event are the same hormones that contribute to fear in combat. So, you know, these are some of the things that we're trying to train and get focused to people, to, our soldiers to focus on as opposed to just doing more push-ups and sit-ups and a two-mile, a faster two-mile run. So really what, what we're, the emphasis is train for combat, get ready for the physical demands of combat, and you'll be fine on this test. You know, so, if you're so, truly training for the things that you might be asked to do in combat, then you're going to probably be pretty doggone good in this test. So, so, sir, is the thought that the APRT is going to be in, like, year one through four of the Arvogen cycle and, and ACRT will be more while they're in the ready-deploy status? Yeah, that, you know, that, that's a great question, and that's one of the things, actually, <laughs> you're thinking the same way General Casey thinks, because that's the same thing he, it's the same question he asked me when we briefed him. Um, when, when we first started playing with this a little bit, we thought that we would have the APRT one part of the year and the ACRT at the other part of the year. But the more we look at it and as we develop the pilot and as we talk to units, you know, we could have the APRT twice a year and the, the ACART, the combat readiness test, right before the deployment. We don't know. That's, those, that's one of the things we're going to determine in the, um, in the pilot test. And, you know, you could have the APRT twice a year or once a year, and the unit commander could say, hey, six months from now, we're going to do a, we're going to put it on the, the master training calendar, and we're going to do the Army combat readiness test, so let's start getting ready for it. And then suddenly the day of the test, all the devices appear on the field, and people who have been lifting weights or running sprints or, or uh, doing squats and all the other things that are associated with the 
the, the kinds of things we test in the ACRT will go out on the field and do it. We don't know yet. I think right. the unique thing behind these two specific tests are is whatever weakness that you see within inside the APRT, when I reference a component such as strength that may not be measured as well, you'll find that it is a significant factor when a soldier has to execute the Army Combat Readiness Test, especially when you have to look at one of the events, which is a 180-pound SCEDCO drag to simulate casualty evacuation. And the soldiers that have performed in the pilot so far come back and say that is a significant event yeah. of lower body muscular strength and power. Yeah, and, and if I can, let me use that as an example, too. That's, that's an interesting example Frank just used, because what we were seeing as we were starting to incorporate the new uh, TC32220, the new manual, into basic training, we would see, uh, as we started training folks on strength and conditioning, we would see new soldiers being able to conduct those SCEDCO drags and move those things on, you know, a, a, the equivalent of a simulated casualty evacuation. And we would see some of our drill sergeants coming back to go to drill sergeant schools who could not do that, even though they had just come out of a deployment cycle. So th this is something that, that we've got to take a look at the entire physical readiness of, of our force, not just the new initial military trainee, but also the NCOs and officers who have been around for a while. I think another key point that both the training and both assessments get at is it's really attributes to train as you fight. And that's what we're trying to be focused on. We're trying to synchronize and link what is done in physical readiness training in the morning with the other training that soldiers have to perform within their MOS and within their units during the duty day. And also in the theater of operations. Uh, that, that's a great explanation from you guys. That was a lot more than I anticipated. I appreciate that. <laughs> Sorry, we talked too much. No, that, no, that's good. I think everyone probably appreciated that. They, uh, one last quick question. I guess my concern is how, do we, how are you going to try to ensure that we don't get into the rut of – I mean, I know that the, it's, the APFT is supposed to be a commander's assessment tool, and, uh, and it's you know, secondary to the mission and medal, but how do we keep soldiers who are more worried about trying to get those promotion points, trying to get into those uh, 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 career-enhancing and, and other cool schools, and everything else from just focusing on getting past this, just like they do on the range, you know, when we had the typical 40, 40 rounds, get yeah. an expert, get the max points kind of thing? Yeah. Um, I, I think I'll answer that in a couple of ways. First of all, it will require a culture change. Uh, this isn't just, hey, we're going to change the test, therefore people are going to think differently about it. We've got a lot of folks who believe that if you score 290 or above on the APFT, you are in great shape and prepared for any combat mission. And we're here to tell you that's not the case. I mean, for every person that scores 300, I can show you an individual that can't do the job in combat because they can't carry a load or they can't hump at high altitudes. Uh, and at the same time, you know, there are some guys who only score 220 who are exactly the ones you want on the current test, who are exactly the ones you want uh, to, to hump the loads and go up the side of the mountain because they might not be fast on that two-mile run, but, man, they'll go all day long like a mountain goat. So, I mean, th those are the deviations that we have to change as, as we take a look at the culture. But the, the things I'd add to that is the fact that we, we have also suggested to both General Casey and General Dempsey when we briefed them on this that 
um, that we put not only an emphasis on on ensuring people pass these tests, but also adjectival ratings on them as well. Uh, what we're going to recommend at the end of the day is there will no longer be a 290 out of 300 points, but in fact it'll fall into the category of excellence, good, or poor, and maybe a couple of others that we haven't determined yet based on the roundup of the scores. And, by the way, instead of just saying on an officer efficiency report, like all of us ha have had for at least the last 10 years in the 69, or the, can't remember the, the form, 68-9, yeah, the officer efficiency report or the NCO efficiency report, all it currently says right now is height, weight, pass or fail. So, uh, you know, you can't tell the difference between someone who has the physical resilience of being excellent in the kind of things that you need in combat versus a guy who just barely passes it by one point with the current test. We, we have asked General Dempsey as he takes a look at refining, uh, potentially changing the new OER and NCOER, is could we put scales on the actual report form that says not only uh, your height and weight, but also how you did based on the adjectival rating. Now, I'm, I might be getting Thank out a little bit Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Here, Goodbye. That's one of the things that we're looking at as well. I'd like to comment on the question reference, focus specifically on, on the test for promotion points and that. I think, uh, hold on a second, Frank. Did we lose everybody? No. Oh, we're here. Not. Okay, all right. Because we're supposed to hang up at 11.15, so we're... We're close. I'll make it quick. Yeah. I would I would tell a soldier or a leader who asked me that question to number one I would say trust your leadership yeah. and then rely on the training to get you where you need to go because the focus needs to be on training and not on testing testing is just a snapshot in time the training will prepare you it's it's battle focused it's significantly different than training that was in the last version of 2120. Yeah, and I'll just give an example, and, and then we'll probably close it down. Um, I know that there are, uh, you know, the football fan out there would say the key to any running back or tight end would be how fast they ran the 40. Uh, the difference is when you, put a, when you put a football player on the sideline and say go, and then they run the 40 in 4-4 or 4-3, uh, you say, ooh, that's an indicator. But then you start putting the pads on them and start asking them to catch a ball or carry a ball and at the same time block tackles and, you know, get away from people who are trying to tackle them. That's a whole different skill set. We're trying to get to the tactical athlete as opposed to just the individual who can pass a test. That makes sense? Yeah, it sure does. Okay. All right, well, hey, uh, we're gonna, I think we're going to have to hang up on all you folks, but thanks so much for joining us, and we appreciate your interest in this particular uh, subject, and I think it's a, we all think it's a pretty big deal for the Army uh, that we're, we're doing this, and we just appreciate your publication, publicate, publicizing it and getting it out to our soldiers as well.